Hello, welcome back to Channel Orange Radio Show. Hope you all had a brilliant Christmas in spite of all the restrictions. This is episode nine, kind of, because the last one was a special, but we'll call it nine. Um, thank you to everyone who's tuning in this week, whether live or on Spotify or anywhere else. Uh, I also want to thank everyone who's listened so far, because we just reached 2,500 streams on Spotify. I actually can't believe it. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it's slightly suspicious. Um, yeah, we're not sure if it's just because people have been looking up Channel Orange on Spotify and then just stumbling onto our yeah. <laughs> podcast, but you know what? It works. Well, if you want a tip for naming your podcast, just name it after a popular yeah, album. Yeah, catfishing actually stuff. works out really yeah. well. Um, for anyone new, um, should probably explain it again, uh, the concepts of the podcast. I mean, I say concepts if it's complex, <laughs> but you know, um, what we're going to do. Um, so we take the Guardian's album of the week... Um, we have a guest on who listens to the album um, and then we pick an album that basically tries to beat the Guardians album and our guest decides which one's better after, you know, um, some conversation about it and listening to a few of the songs. Uh, this week, our albums are uh, Bice- uh, Biceps album Isles, which is uh, the Guardians pick and our pick is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards <laughs> Oddments. It's a bit of a mouthful, I know. It does but... sound like it's like a a disney album but it does yeah it actually exists um but yeah no those are the albums if you want to hear the way i've arbitrarily decided these two albums are connected you have to wait till later but yeah those are the two and this week we have the john kite yet again (laughs) you Um, always have to call him the john the john kite really unfair Uh, if you don't he's a superstar thank you for coming on john thanks for having me guys uh real big honor to come back on here again especially i know you guys needed me because the episode i came on was your your most listened to ever episode. And and I think that's just because of the John Kite. Yeah, I think it probably was. I mean, if you look at the bar chart, and this is no shade to any of our other guests, um, but it's like your first episode <laughs> is like dwarfs all of the other episodes on the bar chart of listens. I don't know why. Maybe people always listen to the first episode and then, and just then go, they give oh, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to listen to anymore. But, you know, clearly got a lot of fans out there. Um, After they realise it's been a catfish, they they leave. So what are your uh, immediate thoughts on the album? I know this isn't as much your thing. When when we picked Nostalgia Ultra in the first episode, we were both thinking this is something John might like. I'll be honest, that wasn't going through my head when I, I recommended you this. I was just more hoping you might like some of it than thinking you would. I think you thought he'd be really into Bicep and then from Bicep you kind of connected it to... Yeah, yeah. So what are your thoughts, John? On which one? Bicep. Uh, we'll go for we'll go for oddments first. That's oddments, by the way, just for viewers. Spelt odd, you know how you'd expect, and then ments, M-E-N-T-S. It's a weird name, but that's what it is. Yeah. So the first time I listened to a song from this album was last night when Sam recommended a specific song called What's the one you recommended? Work this time. Work this time, and my initial reaction was, I admit. I wasn't most impressed. I asked him if it was recorded on a brick um, or or maybe through a sock because it sounded <laughs> not the best audio quality, which for me as an audiophile, very interested in music and audio production, put me off. Mm. Um, but today I listened to the whole thing and I think definitely hearing that song again in the context of the whole thing um, and kind of embracing the vision, I enjoyed it. A lot more. I think the the kind of title of the album, Oddments, explains it quite well. It's a it's an odd collection of what might at first listen kind of seem like demos, um, but it's not. Um, and so I enjoyed it as kind of an incoherent right. collection of very different songs. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right about that. That is kind of what they do and it does take some getting used to so that makes sense that the second time in the context of the whole album you enjoyed it more and I think for me the reason I enjoy it more is because I've listened to it in the context of the album and then when I liked it I listened to it in the context of the other albums um, and they release so many albums that I think they probably may I mean it's quite likely that they have rushed the production a little bit but that's yeah, kind of say. they do that they kind of forego that benefit um, so that they can release more music because um, they want to I mean, I think they made a promise in 2017 to release five albums and then they followed through on it. Um, so they're pretty prolific. Um, but you know, it does are they, come at the cost They're quite production. a new band. They're kind of... Yeah. Because yeah, their sound does... It's kind of... The album is a little bit immature, I'd say. Like, I do agree yeah. with John. It's kind of... It sounds more just like a collection of demos. Mm. 
Yeah. No, I think that's true, but that that's kind of that's kind of their style, and you picked up on the name that kind of suggests it as well. Um, they've done some other really like even more sketchy albums. There's one um, I think it's actually called Sketches of Brunswick <laughs> East or something like that, um, and th- those are actually demos. Um, so you can imagine what a demo quality, a demo of a demo quality song oh, sounds dear like. God, yeah. Um, I mean, at least it doesn't sound manufactured. It's kind of yeah. it's more authentic. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, do you have a favourite song you picked out from it, John? Um, or was it all kind of too weird? Well, what I find really impressive is you've you've mentioned you listened to it in context of their whole discography. And I think what's really impressive is firstly how diverse their whole discography is. Not like not even sticking to one genre, but jumping from genre to genre to genre. And even within this one album, which is the only album I've listened to, all of the songs are very different, Um, which in a way does make it feel like an incoherent set of demos, but on the other hand, is very impressive um, and engaging. And I didn't get bored. Um, And so I I would say I like all the songs for different reasons um, because they are so different. If I had to choose a favorite, I really, really liked It's Got Old. Yeah, I I think maybe for me, it's more conventional sounding, which so it's maybe a safe option. Mm. I feel like I'm quite a safe person when it comes to music, so I could enjoy this more. Um, But having said that, some of the kind of more out there songs, I think if I listened to them more and more and became more familiar with them, they could easily be my favorites, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that. I, I really like It's Got Old. That's one of the I wouldn't say heavier, but like. Some of the songs in the album are quite slow, laid back songs, um, which kind of lay on the psychedelia element of things. But it's got all this kind of more upbeat um, and like enjoyable to listen to. Um, so I think maybe we should play that because yeah. I don't want to end up. I, I think... would I would say that their definitive genre is psychedelic, even yeah, though they yeah. it does kind of change throughout the album. I'd say all, there's like a tone of. Yeah, definitely. Um we were talking about our favourites earlier, and most of them were the kind of laid-back ones, like Work This Time is their most famous song, and that's very laid-back. Um, so it'll be good to play It's Got Old. Um, so I guess this is It's Got Old by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah. 
that was It's Got Old, uh, John Kite's favourite, sorry, the John Kite's favourite <laughs> song on the album. Um, up there for me as well. Um, what was your least favourite song? Or I, I can imagine with this album, there's a few really short songs, um, which kind of may feel like throwaways. I can imagine maybe they all blend together, but did, did one stand out as your kind of least favourite? So I think more generally in this album and some others, I never really get this short song thing. Sometimes they're framed as interludes. Mm. I don't know if they're supposed to be interludes here or if they just couldn't be bothered to finish the songs. Yeah. And I always skip the interludes. So yeah, there's a 17 second A, B, A, B, C, D, which I mean, right. I, I don't know why it's there. It kind of seems like it's trying to be artsy, <laughs> trying to have some deeper meaning, but... I can't. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I took it as a joke. I thought they were just like, lol, let's put on a 15 second song mm. just for giggles. Yeah, they're the kind of band to do that. But I guess it's a question, I want to know your perspective on this, John. Of, do you think when bands do that, they do it kind of sincerely, like they actually think it adds something to the album? Or do you think they do it just as filler? So it kind of comes back to, I had a conversation with you recently about how I think some artists are genuinely really, really clever and their music is deep and meaningful and other artists pretend that their music is deep and meaningful and a lot of people buy into it. So I guess it depends on the artist. Some interludes are genuinely mm. very insightful. They offer a chance to kind of take a break from the listening experience um, and they have meaning for, for the artist. But in other cases, it's kind of just put on there to seem like it's something. And then I'm not sure because I don't know the band yeah. well enough to know how clever they are. Right. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think you're right about that. It does depend on the band. It's kind of hard to pick. I'd say a good example actually um, is a coincidence, but Nostalgia Ultra has those little interludes of, it's like a tape cassette of a certain like game going in. Mm -hmm. There's, I think there's three of them. And the whole theme of the album is nostalgia. Yep. And those are like, unobtrusive enough that it doesn't annoy you when you're listening to the album because they're so short but it does kind of add to the I think it's, there's some artistic reasoning behind it exactly, as well this yeah. just seems yeah you don't really know what pointless. the reason is yeah. um, I was reading this review uh, by this magazine Tone Deaf um, who basically defined the band's strength as a willingness to be peculiar which I'm sure you kind of will have felt when listening to the album they kind of don't mind doing things that you may not enjoy, which could be framed as a positive To be honest, that is an Australian characteristic, <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. say. Um, do you see, and I guess this goes back to that scepticism thing we were talking about of, you know, are they just being smart or are they just trying to look smart? Do you see that kind of willingness to be peculiar as just an easy way to gain a cult following without much talent? Or do you kind of see it as like something which is actually a, a boon to the band? I think that's a good question. I think it's worth pointing out on this album particular, although there are kind of out there tracks and it's kind of unconventional, it's not as weird as a lot of their other stuff and it's not mm. a new genre. So I think prior to this, um, they released at the album's 12 Bar Brews and Float Along, Fill Your Lungs, which also yes. had elements of the, the psychedelic rock um, and the garage rock that they're going for on this album. So I think maybe they played it a little bit more safe on this particular album but as a whole in general i think for artists who are strange odd weird and use it as their selling point maybe um like 21 pilots yeah it seems fake but given the output of this band you feel like they because they're making so much music you you gave the example of the five albums in one year they just love experimenting um and you feel it's genuine and they're not doing it to impress anyone or or get fans in particular. They just want to release loads of different kinds of music. So I I buy into it in this case. Yeah, okay. and I think they could also just be trying to find their sound. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And they have this whole thing um, where there's like this like collective universe of all of the albums of the band um, where they're supposed to form... Like every album's kind of a concept album in a way and they kind of form one bigger concept. And I think... You know, if you've got that much dedication to having this, like, you know, united collection of albums, which most bands don't think about, you've got to be really kind of interested in your music. And it, I don't know, it's a lot of effort for it just to be a gimmick is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, 
But you're right, like they're very varied. Um, and this is kind of an attempt to be more mainstream, I think. And that's demonstrated by the song Work This Time, which I think has 20 million streams now. It's by far their most listened to song. Um, I think we should play that because... If that you're that listening, one is actually yeah. my favourite as well. Yeah. yeah. If you heard It's Got Old and thought this isn't for me, you're, you're much more likely to like this. Um, it's a kind of like, I don't want to say tame and parlory, but it's that kind of, you know, uh, popular psychedelic music. Um, so this is work this time. Thank you. 
was Work This Time by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, by far the most popular song of the band. Uh, it's one of my favourites in the album, but I'd say for me it doesn't take the top spot just because after listening to the album quite a few times, you kind of end up enjoying the stuff which is more unique to the band. Um, but on my first listen, it was definitely my favourite. Um, is there anything specific that you'd change about the album? I don't like this question that much because it's kind of... You know, it's quite a broad thing to ask, but sometimes there is something quite clear that you'd want done differently that would make you enjoy it a lot better. Would it just be better production or is there something else? I, f I feel like for me, what was quite interesting when I was looking up the band is that they're Australian. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure you get a sense of them embracing that background in this album. Maybe they have in other works. Um, the only song that kind of does acknowledge and is inherently Australian is Vegemite, which I enjoy yeah. because they kind of <laughs> embrace that side of them, which I think s sets them apart. Like obviously a lot of the big mm. bands, I can't name many Australian artists, let alone big Australian bands. So I would have liked them to, to kind of embrace that a little bit more. Yeah, Sam and I are really into a band called Sticky Fingers. Yeah. And I actually think they do kind of, like, they do sound they similar do. to Sticky yeah. Fingers. We yeah. should play way, um, yeah. one of their songs um, one of these weeks, but. Yeah, I, I do get what you're saying. And they embrace it more, don't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it was... Vegemite is, like, such an Australian song yeah. that maybe they thought they'd gone too far. And I, if you see the music video, it's, like, the, the, the piece of toast with Vegemite on it, like, becomes alive. <laughs> it's maybe a bit excessive, so they didn't want to let it bleed into the rest also, of the Also, well, I think what is, like, an inherently Australian song, what, does, what would that sound like? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it kind of... You end up having to be, like, really explicit about it, like with Vegemite. Like Vegemite or, 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 like, yeah. um, mm -hmm. what's the sticky fingers on? Australia Street. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I know what you mean, John. Like, that's part of the appeal of the band. Um, and you kind of want them to, like, lean into that a bit more. Um, we need to play one more. Uh, we've played John's favourite, Maddie's favourite. Uh, I find it hard to pick my favourite on the album, so I'm just going to say what my favourite is at the moment. Uh, Stressing is my favourite at the moment. I'm listening mm -hmm. to it the most... Um, kind of like a nice sort of psychedelic but also kind of quite fun to listen to some uh so this is stressing by Thank you. 
That was Stressing by King Gizzard. Uh, I'm glad I won't have to try and puzzle through saying the whole King Gizzard and Gizzard <laughs> yeah. thing anymore. Bit of a tongue twister. Uh, we're now moving on to Isles by Bicep, which is the Guardian's album of the week. Um, a lot of you may be aware of Bicep, or you may not, but you actually kind of are. No, I think you'll I think recognize. You, yeah, you, I think you um, will recognize it. It is, I mean, pre-COVID, it was, there's been yeah, a lot of clubbing yeah. songs that... Exactly. Um, I mean, I first heard uh, the song Glue by Bicep in one of my friends' playlists and I instantly recognised it, but when I clicked on its play, I had no idea I knew it. Uh, so I think we, sh- we should probably play that first before we get on to this actual yeah. new album, just to kind of pique your interest, if you know what I mean. Um, John, do you know Glue by Bicep? Uh, no, I might recognise it. I think yeah. I think you might. It's I played like it for my flatmate of... and she got really sad because it reminded her of clubbing. <laughs> I hope it doesn't make you guys yeah. that sad. <laughs> Um, this is Glue by Bicep.
that was glue. Hopefully you're not downcast about not being able to go clubbing anymore. Um, it's a great song, uh, really kind of psychedelic. And that, funnily enough, is the connection I'm drawing between the two albums. They're yeah. very different albums. Um, I mean, one is full of lyrics. It's like a real concept album. Uh, it's basically indie rock. The other is I would say two different you know. ends of trying to be psychedelic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's kind of why I thought it would be interesting. Um, so, John, would you say, before you even say whether you like it or not, is this kind of music at all your kind of thing? Would you normally listen to it? Because for me, at least, this isn't the normal thing I'd listen to. Sam, Maddie, I hate to break it to you. Um, I know Maddie kind of had this impression at the start that this is something I'd be into. But I never listened to electronic music. Um, so I haven't heard Bicep. And I always say to people when I kind of, they ask what music I like, I always emphasize that I like rap music because you can fit loads of meaning into lyrics um, and rap has the most lyrics. So I like rap and I like meaning. Um, so something like this. And this song literally, this album has no lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it, this definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone a little bit. Like when I first came on your show back in September, um, the Guardians album then also had very few lyrics, but I'm always kind of grateful mm. for the chance and kind of the push to listen to different genres um, especially genres I literally never listened to. And so, although I would never choose to listen to it myself, I'm glad I listened to it. And I would even go as far to say, I somewhat enjoyed some of it. I'd say mine and yours experience to listening to it are quite yeah. similar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, like I, 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 I would like describe it. it as like the filler music between songs you would hear in a club. Like yeah. it, it, they're not like the spotlight songs that you would dance to, but they're kind of, DJs throw them in between mm. as kind of interludes. I think I think that's definitely true. It kind of, I mean, it kind of makes sense that they do that as well because if you think about it, they're releasing what you'd assume to be like a club music album when clubs are all closed and presumably will be for quite a while. Um, so I guess maybe they're trying to navigate how do you bring out this kind of music that people can enjoy from their own houses. So yeah. it's kind of like club music, but that you couldn't listen to without. I mean, maybe to people dance. think that they could study to it because there yeah. aren't lyrics, but I tried and I really couldn't focus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I heard an amazing fr phrase from a Pitchfork review of the album. Um, they said the live shutdown has left Bicep like heirs to a knife factory in the age of soup, <laughs> uh, which is kind of brutal. But they're basically trying to say, you know, Bicep are no longer useful in this time. They should have waited until later to release this. Uh, do you agree with that, John? Do you think it's kind of paradoxical to release this album when all the clubs are closed and no one's allowed to host parties? Or do you think it's, you know, brave? and? No, I, I don't think it is. I think they've taken the opportunity to make something that wouldn't be played in a club. I don't think this was ever intended to be played in a club. I think it was made in the context of lockdown. And so it's not as hype, as in your face, as maybe some of their past songs that are made specifically to be performed. I think they've taken the mm. opportunity to make something a little bit more introspective, as introspective as kind of their genre can be. Um, I actually read, since you're bringing it, you're whipping out the, the nice quotes. <laughs> I read that maybe it feels as if they're playing in a cavernous empty club because there's so much reverb in an echo on a lot of the album, which maybe is them their way of saying we realize we can't go clubbing we realize this music will be listened to at home um and so i think they've done their best effort to utilize mm. the situation and release something slightly more laid back than a lot of their other music yeah that's interesting you say that about the the echoes just in the cabin Empty club because i was thinking about this when i read that and i also read that people were saying maybe the title isles could be a reference to their northern irish heritage and there could be a political mess to the album when I heard that and the whole cavernous thing, it kind of blew my mind that people consider electronic albums to potentially have these like complex meanings behind them, um, which maybe I was being prejudiced against the genre, but I hadn't thought about the potential for that genre to present uh, a political message. Which is quite impressive to do considering there aren't any lyrics. Yeah, for there, exactly. For there yeah. to be so much meaning yeah. without actually having words it. I'm still skeptical it. whether it's possible, but it's kind of opened my mind to that a bit. I mean, what's your perspective on that, John? I don't know. I, I feel like that's a push. Um, and oftentimes it's people imposing meaning on something that wasn't really supposed to have that kind of meaning. Um, I read, I think Bicep said themselves, this was never meant to be a a Brexit 
related album um whereas some people are saying oh isles they're from they're from northern ireland they live in london um and it's a, a response to brexit i think although it does have a message the message they wanted to convey was nothing political it was the struggle if i if i read this correctly the struggle of kind of moving from ireland to london um whilst capturing because basically in ireland there's certain licensing laws um that mean pubs where and clubs where they performed when they could were only open for like a few hours at a time um so it was very high energy for like a few hours whereas their move to london was where where clubs are often open like 12 or, or 20 hours was a shift in their the energy levels yeah although this yeah. kind of seems like a stretch from an album with no lyrics um but i feel like something like that is you is more plausible than right. than a brexit mm -hmm. commentary i think even that though is like i mean i had the same kind of reaction as you i thought you know surely it can't do that but even like as simple of a message as that is i think it's a good thing for the genre if it starts mm -hmm. to you know people start to believe that you can take messages away from electronic yeah. music is interesting i thought it was quite bold how the songs were actually quite long yeah for not having yeah. any lyrics but yeah um I mean, we have to play some songs from it. It's yeah. hard to, and I don't, I'm not saying this is a criticism of the album at all. Um, it almost feels like kind of one whole song. Um, Which isn't necessarily bad. No, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but I would say Apricots is the most famous and that's the one I enjoyed the most. I really Same. like the backing vocals and that. Um, I don't even know if you'd call them backing vocals. There's nothing there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really like the vocals and I call them backing vocals because mm -hmm. there aren't really any lyrics. Um, not English lyrics at least. The sample on Apricots was actually, there were two different samples. One was a Bulgarian choir and one was a recording of traditional Malawian singers from 1958, which I found very interesting. Yeah. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was kind of, by using a foreign a foreign voice, um, it almost like turns the voice into an instrument in itself instead of just being a vehicle for the lyrics. Uh, which means you appreciate the actual sounds of the voices so much more. When I was listening to it, you know, instead of having to, what, what, what's she saying? What's he saying? I'm more thinking about, you know, how is the voice actually sounding? How um, does it make me feel? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just like a very interesting way of trying to do it. No, definitely. And, and I think when you're trying to read meaning into an album like this, you have to view every choice. The choice to choose like a foreign or a Malawian singer is not no, accidental yeah. if, if you're reading meaning into it. So in this case, um, Bicep themselves suggested that maybe these global music samples what, try and get the listener to conjure up this image of London um, and this multicultural hub um, and, and like the busyness of their daily lives. So it's possible if you analyze every choice made in electronic music, that good electronic music carries meaning through the choices that are made. Totally. I think it just requires, if anything, more attention um, than you would give like a, a rock album. It's like often a lot easier to tell what a song's talking about because they're telling you with words. Um, but as you say in an electronic album, if you pay attention to all the choices, you can kind of get something out of it, uh, which is something new. I'm learning. I mean, I, I don't listen to electronic music enough to have realized that, but mm. it makes sense having listened to this. Um, I'm not sure if you listen to this, John, but I think they reminded me of Flume. Mm. Do you know Flume, Flume is, is like one of the few electronic artists I have listened to because they did a song with Slow Tie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's encouraging to see uh, the genre growing um, and kind of maturing as well. Um, mm -hmm. It's interesting to watch like new genres mature like that. Um, like punk took a while to kind of, you know, developed a lot over time. It's still changing now. Um, so same with electronic because it's like one of the most innovative and kind of present genres. I also think it's evolving um, with technology the yeah. more I think because they're developing new kind of ways of producing and stuff so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah mm -hmm. totally. So John I have to ask does one song stand out to you um, or kind of did you just enjoy it as a whole? Yeah so I think you guys touched on Apricot um, which I also really enjoyed but another one just because I am quite a straightforward person who likes hearing lyrics um, the kind of one vocal track was was Saku um, with a guest appearance by Clara Lasan, who's on the on the same label as Bicep. Mm. And I liked it because I like hearing vocals and it kind of broke it up for me. But yeah, I think definitely as a whole project, 
it's it's a, it's a complete piece of work. It's not meant to be viewed in isolation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, which is interesting because you, whenever that's done with a rock album, the rock album is immediately elevated to a way higher level because it's seen as a kind of concept album, you know, mm. seen uh, it's taken to a higher level usually when they do that because uh, it's kind of seen as an unusual, intelligent thing to do. But because it's kind of assumed with electronic music, it often isn't elevated to that level, which probably isn't fair. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think we should listen to Saku um, mm -hmm. because although it stood out to me just because it had the lyrics, uh, which is unusual for the album, um, it didn't stand out to me as one of my favorites. So I kind of want to re-listen to it. Yeah. Um, so this is Saku by Bicep. That was Saku. Um, are there any comparisons you'd make between um, King Gizzard and Bicep or the two albums besides the psychedelic element? Um, 
any kind of attitudes maybe even if it's not a specific musical thing just a way of making music that you, you kind of see in common between them or any big differences so i think it's interesting that the background of both of the artists are kind of not mainstream countries they're not bicep aren't english and king gizzard aren't american so mm. they're unconventional in that they're from places that aren't in the mainstream at least and globally and internationally known for that genre of music so i think that contributes to their unconventional sound whilst in terms of king gizzard we've talked about how un unconventional they are but i think even bicep that on the surface of it seems more straightforward a lot of people have tried to many in the like electronic scene have tried to imitate this kind of signature bicep sound um the this techno and this trance and this feeling of melancholy but not many people have been able to do that and bicep have continuously stood out because of that um, i think also both artists have an emphasis on on live performance um when i'm reading about king gizzard they've released however many studio albums 17 or something crazy um and then a load of of live albums um and i get the sense that their live performance is a, is a big part of what they do similarly bicep for them we've talked about the struggles of making like an electronic album for the house because at the heart of it bicep electronic music is meant to be enjoyed live yeah no i think i think those are some great comparisons probably more compelling actually than the the psychedelic element um you're definitely right about the live uh, component of um uh king gizzard as well they actually started their own festival their own music like two or three day music festival in australia i can't remember the name i think it's That's i think it. it's giz fest um, That's pretty good <laughs> yeah i know um it's pretty cool i have a question for john would you rather go to a live performance of king gizzard or bicep oh that that's a good very good question buddy um i think if it was this album of bicep it wouldn't be a particularly enthralling or engaging live performance um but if they could bring in other work of theirs definitely bicep because their reputation i'd never heard i couldn't name a bicep song but if someone says our oh, bicep's going to be at this festival at least here in the uk there's such hype around them appearing at festivals that i just feel that, like it would be a crazy experience i think a lot of it's also has to do with the drug culture of going <laughs> to festivals and you know taking drugs and yeah. then listening to psychedelic music but i i don't go near drugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> good job Cheers, John. That, John. Out. um <laughs> so before we conclude mm -hmm. um we should play apricot since it's mine your favorite yeah in the album um I was going to say, um, for me, another comparison between them, kind of a big difference, is I feel like um, there's a lot more to dislike and a lot more to like about King Gizzard. Because they're weird and because there's kind of more variety, I think it's a lot easier to really hate one of their songs or to really love them, compared to Bicep, where I think it's quite hard to dislike or quite hard to like a lot of their songs. I think Apricots is kind of breaks from that, and there is a lot to like about it. I think it's quite a unique song that kind of stands alone in its own right. Um, so for that reason, I definitely want to play it. Uh, yeah. I I'd, I'd say the big comparison is the I like how King Gizzard is able to isolate all of their songs, and how Bicep was completely able to yeah, just make it continuous. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, in light of all that, though, um, we should listen to Apricots. I think if you're going, to, if anything on here is going to rival Glue, it's this. Um, I think it's already got. It's, it's, I, it's, it's their more, second most. Yeah. yeah oh, is it, has song. it not overtaken yet? No, it hasn't. Oh, okay. Glue's still top. Um, but yeah, this is Apricots by Bicep.
that was Apricots. Um, we have to ask now, um, big moment of the podcast, which yep. album did you prefer? It's hard to compare, but you've got to pick. Sam, you're making it very difficult. I always come, <laughs> this time and last time, when you sent me the albums, I'm like, oh, why is he making me sit through this? Um, but by the end of it, I actually end up, after researching and kind of getting to know the story behind the artist and the album, enjoying um, both albums. But today, I think I, I really did like The King Gizzard. Um, it was a nice length. It was like half an hour. <laughs> so it was very listenable. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of variety. So there's probably something for everyone on there, whether you like the kind of laid back acoustic or whether you like the heavy organ solo that is the opening track. Yeah. I think there is something for everyone. Um, I think I think because it's so dynamic, even if, even if you don't enjoy the songs, it's just fun to listen to because this you know it's such a ride. No, definitely, definitely. Um, so that'd be my favorite, but I'd recommend both. Okay, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. that's good because I was thinking, you know, I was worried as I said about this week because the first episode, although Nostalgia Ultra isn't exactly the thing you'd listen to, I was pretty sure you'd like it. Um, but I thought, you know, don't make it too easy for ourselves this time. Uh, Although I, d- I do have to, to say that, like, is <laughs> by, like, researching a song and getting, like, liking it after researching and getting to know more, does that differ from just listening to it initially and liking it mm. straight off the bat just because it sounds nice? Like, do you have to add meaning to it for you to enjoy it? No, definitely. Like, it changes my whole perception. As soon as I learn about the artist, I just develop a respect for both the artist and for this work. Because you recommend works that are acclaimed to some degree. It's not like they're just garbage that some guy randomly dropped. So there is a story and there is a meaning. And I connect so much more after listening. Um, And I think, like Sam was saying, he's now questioning whether electronic music can indeed hold meaning. Um, So being pushed out of my comfort zone and listening to, like, out there albums, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. And I love the show. And I'm a big fan of both of you. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John. Thanks, John. We're, we're huge fans of you and your show, Talking the Hardest. Mm-hmm. Um, formerly <laughs> called Grind Diaries, which is uh, on every Wednesday. Instagram Live and and um, St. Andrew's Student Radio. Um, I'm actually going to be on it uh, next week. Definitely listen. It's an amazing show. Um, from your expertise as a host of uh, what? two years is it for two years you've been doing it the the show yeah um do you have an album for the viewers to listen to Bro, can't you can't you warn me about this question in advance you, you sprung this upon me last time you've been on here before <laughs> yeah, you've been on here before you know well, it's coming be fair, last time you said <laughs> you could just boost your own album again if you want yeah, <laughs> yeah. well last time you said oh what's the best year for music ever right on the spot and you expect me to come with an answer but i do have um an album recommendation Okay. Yeah. I'm just I'm just thinking of it. You just don't know its name. Yeah. Um I mean lately these aren't groundbreaking albums, but Fredo's new album is great. Um and Chip released a new album, so I'm sticking to the grime roots and I'll push those two. Um but okay. if people want to expand their horizons, um It's not an album, but an artist I would really, really recommend, and I'll send you a link after Sam, um, is this guy called Kamal, um, K-A-M-A-L, who's only started releasing music. He released a song on SoundCloud in 2019. Like his first song got picked up. Um, He's like 18 years old, and it's a classic success story, but his music's uh, good vibes. I'll send you it. Okay, I'd recommend him. Cool. So Chip and Fredo's new album, and Kamal, K-A-M-A-L. Heard it here first from John Kite. Um, unfortunately, that's like all we got time for this episode, but it's been great. Thanks yep. so Thanks much, Thanks for John. all the good chat, John. It's been great. Thank- thanks, um, guys. I love you. Second time guest, so we're very lucky. Um, thanks to everyone for listening as well. Um, this has been Channel Orange, listening to Oddments by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards and <laughs> Isles by Bicep. Um, I've said before that if you like the bands you played, then listen to their other stuff, but in this case, that recommendation comes with a big proviso for King Gizzard there's such a large variety that it's kind of hard to say you know listen to all their other stuff because there's no guarantee you'll like it I will say if you like that the most similar album is Gumboot Soup if you like metal listen to Nonagon Infinity if you like acoustic music Paper Mache Dream Balloon is a nice acoustic album but you know try it out it's all very different the score is now amazingly 7-1 
Um, <laughs> so I've, I'm a bit embarrassed for the Guardian. It's a little um, bit of a winning streak. <laughs> I mean, they're a national paper. Yeah. I mean, they've got to do better. But tune in next week, see if we can pile on the misery or see if they can begin to mount a second semester comeback. We should try to get Alexis on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should. I mean, next guest. he's got to be out the job reasonably soon for yeah. this. Um, if you want to keep up on our episodes or get in touch, follow our Instagram at Channel Orange Radio. Uh, and we're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you just search Channel Orange Radio Show. Thanks a lot.